Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The This is going to be the best day of my life. Addition as Joe Mixon has one of the best games in franchise history as the Bengals crush the Carolina Panthers 42-21. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from a broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know Bengals offensive lineman, Alex Kappa. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since DJ Reader's a Son Never Forgets Foundation. DJ Reader is hosting a bowling event on Monday night that will provide school supplies to the more than 700 students that attend Schroeder High School, a public school in Cincinnati. Students will also have the opportunity to have health, dental, and eye screenings. DJ was inspired to do community service by his father, David, who passed away in 2014 after a long fight with kidney disease. DJ's been nominated for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award in the past. If you would like to meet DJ and help the cause, the bowling event will take place at Main Event in Westchester Township from 7 to 10, and I imagine some of his teammates will be there too. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. Going in, Joe Mixon was averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Of the 41 players in the league who had carried the ball at least 60 times, Mixon ranked next to last in yards per attempt. It's been hard to figure out. It's not like Joe Mixon is over the hill. He's only four and a half months older than Joe Burrow. And on Sunday against Carolina, he reminded everybody that he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's completed his first four throws. The Bengals have a first down at the 47-yard line. Burrow looks to throw for the fifth time. Checks it down short. Mixon. Nice blocking in front. He's to the 40, middle of the field, 30, 25, 20, and tackled at the Carolina 18-yard line. 35 yards to Joe Mixon. That was a screen pass executed perfectly. First and goal from the two. Stanley Morgan is checked in as one of the wide receivers. He's a good blocker. He's out to the right. Now he goes in motion from right to left. Burrow tosses it left. Mixon will go into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals, as Cincinnati goes 90 yards to begin the game and scores a touchdown. Methodical, Dan. A really good mix of run and pass. Three receivers left, one out to the right. Burrow waits for the shotgun snap. Joe catches, hands it off to Mixon. He's got a big hole right side, outside the numerals, down the sideline to the 20, 15, and tackled at the Carolina 14 by Shaq Thompson. 29 yards for Joe Mixon. First and goal from the three officially. Burrow takes the snap, gives it to Mixon. Joe is into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Joe Mixon having a half. That's his second touchdown of the afternoon, and the Bengals are up by three TDs. And you're saying Joe Mixon, a Pro Bowl caliber running back. When is the day coming? This 
has been a get-right day. Stanley Morgan in. The Bengals get lined up quickly. Play clock is at 2-1. Burrow takes the snap. Hands it to Mixon, running wide to the right. He'll go into the end zone. There's a penalty flag down at the 6. Did the Bengals get set for a full second with all of their personnel? Offside. Offside, good. Defense number 97 lined up in the neutral zone. Penalties declined. Touchdown. Joe Mixon scores his third touchdown of the half. The Bengals' single-game record is four. He's got three before halftime, and Cincinnati is up by four touchdowns. Shotgun snap back to Joe from the pocket, scrambling to the right, looking into the end zone. Burrow throws. Caught! Oh. Joe Call Mixon! Yeah. <laughs> Joe Mixon tying the Bengals' franchise record for touchdowns in a game, and he does it before halftime. Unbelievable. Four. Three rushing touchdowns and a touchdown catch. He joins Larry Kinnebrew, Corey Dillon, and Marvin Jones as the fourth player in Bengals history with a four-touchdown game. The sixth offensive lineman is in. He lines up on the left side this time. Burrow takes the snap, gives to Mixon, bouncing it wide to the left. Penalty Get flag in, down. He's at the 10. Five into the end zone for what could be his fifth touchdown. Let's see if the formation was legal. Did everybody line up on the line of scrimmage well enough? Offside. Defense. Defense number yeah. 99. How about that? How about that? A 15-yard run for Joe Mixon, who has just set the Bengals' single-game record with five touchdowns in a game, and we still have nearly 20 minutes to play. Ioannidis lined up offside, and Joe Mixon with a little jump cut, and J.C. Horn was frozen. I mean... He said, I'm, I'm taking it outside. J.C. Horn tried to make a play. Joe Mixon said, nah, and outran everybody. Outran the leverage, outran everybody trying to pursue. In addition to his franchise record five TDs, Mixon accounted for 211 yards, 153 rushing and 58 receiving, and he didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. The Bengals led 35-0 at the half, 42-7 after three quarters, and after pulling as many starters as they could, beat the Panthers 42-21. to After the game, Dave Lapham caught up with Joe Mixon. Record holder. How's it feel? Man, it feel great, man, to have a day like that. I mean, all glory to God. Um, it's been long overdue, and I just want to, you know, take the time to appreciate my linemen and receivers for doing a hell of a job, getting physical, making them down blocks, and uh, just, you know, getting me to that next level. And... Uh, we, we, we was long overdue, but I'm just, you know, very excited, very happy for, for the team, man. We needed that. It was big. You, you guys were hammering them between the tackles real well, and then the pin and full pull, tight end pinning, tackle pulling around the horn. You were reading that really well as well. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, the preparation that we've been having um, within these past few weeks, I mean, it's been crucial. Um, we've been locked in, and we never, we never lost hope. And... You know, like I said, when we came in there like that, I was trying to do whatever I could to set the tone and have Zach, you know, believe in, keep calling in them run calls, and uh, we're going to deliver, and we did that today. So, you know, like I said, man, it's a blessing to be able to be here in this position and, you know, playing with my teammates like this. Eight, eight, your first eight possessions, you score six touchdowns. Every, Chris Evans giving a little congratulations. Every single touchdown was a red zone touchdown, six for six in the red zone. You come up with five touchdowns today. You're going to be amongst the league leaders now. I mean, what kind of a 
what kind of a relief is it? I mean, you know what you got for talent. You know the whole the whole story. People, you know, with all the noise, you just blocking it all out. How big is all this? Yeah, man, it was huge. Um, you know, they were trying to obviously kick us down while we was down, man, and we stayed true to us, stayed true to the game, and uh, never lost hope, like I said. And I had to remember who he is, man, and, and that's what it was. And like I said, I'm just blessed to be able to be in this here position. And uh, I just, like I said, man, I can't do nothing but thank God and uh, my teammates, man. It was, it was a hell of a performance, and uh, I'm very excited for this team. There was balance, Joe. I mean, 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing. It was, it was balanced in play selection, balanced in execution. That's what this offense can do, right? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, we had to do that. Uh, I mean, we delivered, man. So, you know, Zach, you know, he dialed us some good play calls. Everybody dialed in with the scheme and uh, making them extra blocks and, uh, you know, just being committed to playing team football, man. And we showed that today, and we just got to keep on building from that. And, uh, and I'm very excited uh, where we headed, man. We just got to keep stacking one week at a time. Congratulations. You're in the record books, man. And that's you're the fifth guy in franchise history also to rush for over 5,000 yards. That's another thing that took place in today's game. How big is that for you? Man, it's huge, but, uh, you know, like I said, just got to keep on building. I know it's a lot more in the tank that, you know, we're going to have to uh, go ahead and reach. And I know for a fact that as long as, you know, we stay true to the game and um, keep on working hard, everything that we have ahead of us is going to come true. But um, I'm, more so, I'm more so into team wins and uh, doing, every, doing whatever we can to get back to the show. And um, we all locked in. Congratulations. Good things happen to good people, and nobody works harder than Joe Mixon. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Joe Mixon was effusive in his praise of the offensive line, and rightfully so. The Bengals finished with 241 rushing yards and averaged 6.2 per carry. Joe Burrow dropped back to pass 29 times and was only sacked once. I spoke to right tackle La'El Collins. 241 rushing yards. Doesn't get much better than that for an offensive lineman, I wouldn't think. Oh, yeah, man. You know, that's, that's, that's what we came here to do. Um, you know, revamp this O-line, reestablish our, our identity. And, um, you know, right now is right where you want to be hitting that, hitting that rise. And, uh, you know, we're starting to put it all together. Joe Mixon scored five touchdowns, four rushing, one receiving. That's a Bengals record. Nobody had ever scored five in a game before. What's it mean to you to be an offensive lineman for an achievement like that? Man, it's, it's amazing. You know, um, Anytime, you know, you put the ball in Joe Mixon's hand and, and let him go, uh, g- great things are going to happen. And uh, we saw it here today. So, you know, I'm excited um, to just know where we're at right now and, and know how much more work we got to do and um, know that we got to play our best football from here on out. Only 10 rushing attempts on Monday night. Now, the circumstances of the game had something to do with that. But did you feel it was important to show that this team could have more balance than it's had to this point? Absolutely. You know, that's why, you know, when, when they call those plays and, you know, they're putting it, they're putting it on the guys up front to go out there and, and move the line of scrimmage and get a ball carriers, you know, all the room they need to operate. And um, it doesn't get any, any better than that, you know, when coaches call them plays like that. 
Monday was one of those nights where nothing went right. This seemed to be one of those games where everything went right. It's funny how things can change in a six-day period in the NFL. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's the NFL, and, um, you know, you got to play your best football week in and week out. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more proud of my teammates. There was a play, I don't remember exactly where it was, but you were out there as a lead blocker. You looked like a runaway beer truck just knocking people over downfield. That's right. Uh, you know, that's who I am as a player, man. And, you know, I look forward to continue to bring that each and every week. You know, I'm, I'm just excited on where we are and where we're headed. LC, enjoy your bye. Congratulations on a great win. Thank you, sir. Then there's the defense. Despite not having D.J. Reader, Chitabe Awuje, or Mike Hilton, the Bengals only allowed one first down in the first half, and that was by penalty. Carolina's first six drives ended with four punts and two interceptions, one by Jermaine Pratt, the other by Jesse Bates. I caught up with Jesse after the game and started by asking him about Joe Mixon. When Joe's having a day like that, Jesse, what does it do for everybody else's energy level and mood? You know, it's different when Joe Burrow's having a day um, like that, but when Mixon is running the ball, um, it kind of creates the dominance of our team um, on all three phases. So um, Joe is definitely running with a different type of uh, pop. And uh, like I said, it got going uh, not just through the offense, but through our defense and uh, special teams as well. 35 nothing at the half. That's about as dominant a performance as I've ever seen. Uh, have you been in a part of anything like that? Um, no, I've been on the other side of it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, it's good uh, to see our offense have some confidence. Um, you know, I know I know how much they take pride in, in their work um, from the offensive line, from Joe Burrow to the receivers to the running backs, um, to see them do – what they did today um, and in our defense I don't think they crossed the 50 um, until the second half so um, that's just like I said we got to continue to play um, complimentary football the second half of the season and uh, a lot of these games will be here um, and our fans were great today um, so it's good when we start fast the, the fans start starting fast a little bit so yeah it's it a great win for us. How were the young DBs that were pressed into service? Yeah I thought they did a really good job um, I mean I think Cam uh, would have been playing a little bit more if he wasn't hurt at the beginning of the year. So I'm not surprised with him. Um, and then, you know, Eli has been playing with us all year last year. So, um, and then you got JD, who, I mean, I think he's a baller. I call him every day because every day he makes a play. So um, it's no surprise, man. We got a, we got a close group in there. Um, we're very open. Um, me and Vaughn do a good job of communicating um, and letting people know when we're are when we are in tough positions and stuff like that so um, it just goes whole whole hand um, from top to the bottom I'm proud of those guys what does it say about the team to be able to win like this going into the bye given what happened on Monday like I said we we talked about coming in here playing fast and just knowing how important these games are going to get in the second half of the season um, going into it at five and four with a winning record um, damn sure looks better than four and five um, going into a bye so um, like I said, we're going to have a lot of big games here, um, here in this stadium. So uh, hopefully the fans can come out and you know, show how they showed today. How much more enjoyable is the bye, five and four versus four and five? Eases, eases everybody up a little bit, um, especially, you know, it's been a long first couple of a couple guys getting hurt. Um, it's good to see how we respond as a team um, because at some point later on in the season, we're going to need these guys again. Um, and for them to have the experience and for us to do well, um, it's going to pay off in the long run. 
The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you in part by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Joe Burrow finished 22 for 28, that's 79%, for 206 yards with one touchdown, no picks, and a passer rating of 109.2. He also had a one-yard touchdown run. Joe's passer rating has been over 100 in all five Bengals wins and under 100 in all four losses. Lapp spent a couple of minutes with him in the locker room. 200 yards passing, over 200 yards rushing. Joe Mixon sets a record, five touchdowns, four on the ground. He caught your touchdown pass. No turnovers in the football game. Can you play any better? That's a complete game. We run the ball like that. There's not a team in the league that can stop us. So we got to keep the momentum of that going into this bye week. Need it for, for both our, our physical health and our mental health. It'll be good. Good little break and come back ready to go. This football team, the Carolina Panthers, their defense is athletic. They can run. They'd only give up, given up one opening drive touchdown in 25 games all of last year and up to this year. You guys go 90 yards in nine plays. Was that the tone setter? Yeah, it really was. Um, like I said, we were able to run the ball really well all day. We felt like we were getting eight yards of pop, nine yards of pop on every single rush. When you do that, you know, it's going to be a good day. So, Joe, what do you what do you go from here? What do you, what do you do during the bye week? What, what, Joe Burrow is so focused on football. What do you do during the bye week? You got to get away from it for a little bit. You can't stay focused for seven straight months on football. So, you get away from it for three or four days and come back ready to go. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that is uh, as laser focused as you are with your pregame routine. And it starts not just before you even go out to warm up. I mean, you are like. Your whole countenance, your whole body, everything about you is like laser focused. Has that been that way for you the whole time? Yeah, you know, game day turns into a different person. Uh, just a different feeling. And you come in ready to go, focused on your on your job, whatever you got to do for that day to, to go out and get the win. So uh, I've been able to find that that mindset since I've been in the league, and I think it's, it's served me well. 12 in, in, in the five wins for the Bengals, 12 touchdown passes, no interceptions, no fumbles. 12 touchdowns, no giveaways whatsoever. That's winning football. Yeah, you don't turn the ball over and you force turnovers. Usually you're going to win the game. Well said. Thank you. you the Bengals have their bye this week before a road game in Pittsburgh on the 20th. Right now, that's the Sunday night football game, but it could get flexed to an earlier start time. That decision has to be made. By Tuesday. Now, time for the Radio Guys recap. Lap as bad as the Bengals were on Monday night in Cleveland. That's how good they were on Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati. Total destruction of the Carolina Panthers. 42 to 21 the final, and it wasn't even that close. What were your biggest takeaways today? What should Bengals fans be most encouraged with? I thought the way they came out of the locker room, uh, you know, with a purpose. It was a get right attitude. Um, this was a good defensive football team that had only give up, only had given up one opening drive touchdown in 25 games. I mean, all of last year and half of this year, and just like the Bengals' streak of uh, you know not giving up a touchdown in the second half last week, the Bengals smashed that with a nine-play, 90-yard touchdown that was very balanced. Five passes, four rushes, all of them successful. I thought uh, first down execution in the first half was huge. You know, they averaged about eight yards a pass, seven yards a rush, and they called 11 passes and 11 runs on first down. You can't be any more balanced than that. And they got great productivity over it. Um, They got a couple of touchdowns on first down. 
out of those calls. So I thought that um, to start the game off the way they did made a big statement, and Carolina was reeling at that point a little bit and never really got their footing. If you include the playoffs, Joe Mixon had gone an entire season without a 100-yard rushing performance, 17 games since the last time he did it. Well, he was unbelievable in this game. 22 carries for 153 yards rushing, four TDs, four catches, 58 yards receiving, another TD, five touchdowns total, first Bengal to ever do it. Is this the start of something for Joe Mixon? Can this be the jumping-off point for him to be the kind of player we've seen him be before? I think so. You know, I was talking to Joe in the post game, and I started reading first half stats as stats of the game. He goes, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! They're they're better than I think." I, oh, that's first half. That's right, Joe. Look at your first half numbers. They're as good as most people, you know, would take for for a game. He got off to a, such a great start. I, I think that um, if he had any influence from the outside noise, there's totally freedom of that, you know. And and sometimes, you know, it's you can't help it when you're when you're a player. You can you can say, "I'm going to ignore." everything I'm going to shut everything out from the outside but in today's era of social media and everything else it's almost impossible to so you do hear some of it uh some players hear more of it than others but he's a great player and he hasn't lost a step and he's I think I think that something like this will free him a little bit you know it's like like we talked about before I think he was trying to be too perfect because there's nobody that cares more than Joe. Nobody works harder than Joe. So for him to get a performance that uh, you know validates all that, I think will do nothing but lead to another great performance out of him. You referred to success in the pin and pull rushing attack during the course of the game a few times. Did they do that more? Did they do that better? Did they find something where that's concerned? I think it was the combination of hammering them between the tackles and then that complimentary pin and pull that, that was that was playing havoc with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, they they were gashing them. They were getting big running lanes, and and Joe was hitting them and, and hitting them right away. And and uh, and we talked about uh, during the course of our radio shows during the week that you know when you're struggling as an offensive line in the running game, you have to work on fit and finish. Make sure you get a hat on a hat and you have yourself in the right positions. You have your hand placement right, your footwork right, and finish blocks. And they were doing a great job of fit and finish today. And you know, they were rewarded by, let's keep calling it, you know. I mean, very balanced in that first drive, five passes, four rushes. It paid off. They stayed with it, like I said, on first down. 11 uh, run plays, 11 pass plays. Can't be any more balanced than that. And I, I think that, and talking to Joe Burrow after the game, he said, when we run the ball like that, we're going to be unbeatable. Over 200 yards rushing, over 200 yards passing. He doesn't. I don't think he really wants to throw for over 400 yards and lose a game. That's not Joe Burrow. That's not his deal. You know, he, I, I, think, I think being number one in the NFL in passing yards is a little hollow when you're four and four. You know, I mean, he, he'd rather be where he's going to be after this, probably fall down into the top two or three after, uh, you know, a couple hundred yard passing day. But he'll take five and four and be number two or three in the league in passing any day over being number one in the NFL in passing and being four and five. As I said on the broadcast, P.J. Walker's passer rating matched John Bluto Blutarski's GPA <laughs> in Animal House, 0.0. Was P.J. Walker that bad, or was the Bengals' defense that good? That's a great question. I, th- I think it was a combination. I mean, I think he just he got caught in a, in a very difficult situation, the way the offense took control of the football game. 
and but three straight three and outs. I mean, he he did not uh, <laughs> he didn't help the cause whatsoever. And it, it's never just the quarterback. I thought that you know one of the things that uh, was a big factor in the game is Carolina runs the ball pretty well, and the Bengals didn't allow them to to take control of things at the line of scrimmage, and they had to lean on P.J. Walker, I think, more in this football game in the early stages than they thought they would have to, particularly when they fell behind by two and three and four scores uh, as early as they did. I mean, they're down by five at halftime, and they yank them. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a unenviable, un- unenviable position for him to be in, but he was a big part of it. He was a part, big part of the reason why. I, I don't think he was anywhere near as sharp as he probably feels like he could have been after he watched his tape. While it was still a game, the Bengals' young corners who were pressed into service did a nice job. Cam Taylor-Britt and uh, Jalen Davis, uh, they acquitted themselves well. I agree with you, Dan. I remember we're looking at each other in the Cleveland game, how open guys were. It's like, huh? I mean, you know, a high school quarterback can make these throws. Not today. You know, guys, there was coverage. And honestly, Carolina Panthers, I thought, had pretty good coverage on a lot of plays. And Joe was putting the, putting the ball in very good spots. I mean, he was like 22 for 26 again, some kind of, kind of crazy deal like that. And I remember him throwing one out of bounds intentionally, you know, to, uh, to get rid of the football and, and save the down to the best of his ability. So um, he, he is – this dude is accurate with the football. And he can put it in, in spots. And uh, it, I think he – when he shows confidence in other receivers like Trenton Irwin that he shows, I think that's that gets contagious with everybody on the football team as well. There, there's no doubt when, you know, I remember um, when I was early in my career and did something well and one of the great players on the team said, nice job, Rook. I was like, oh, my God, I've died and gone to heaven. Football heaven, here I am. And when guy, when Joe Burrow makes plays to guys – you know, that don't get all those opportunities and then have something positive to say about it afterwards, man, that um, that gives you a boost in your career big time. So the difference between 5-4 and four and 4-5 four and five going into the bye is obviously huge. The Bengals would have been in real trouble had they lost this game. But I think from a mental standpoint, had they gone into the bye with a loss, they would have been miserable. They would have been stewing on it. You, it wouldn't have been a bye. I mean, your body would have recovered a little bit, but mentally, this team would have been in bad shape had they not won. There's three things that, in my mind, in a in a bye, you need to take care of physically, particularly the guys that are injured. Try to get as many back as they can. In conversation with Zach after the game, he feels like DJ Reader has a good shot. Tupo, he said, is a little bit further away. He doesn't think he'll get two pole right away, but DJ feels pretty good about. And other guys, he you know he wasn't real specific about. Uh, kind of have to take that as that week unfolds and see how quickly guys do recover that have had more, you know, uh, recent injuries. But you have to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. You know, emotionally. And I'm talking football. I'm not talking about you know whatever your religion is or whatever the case may be. I'm talking about the. That, that part of the the game of football it's it's part of it's the mental part of it as well but you know the mental part of it is football stuff you know you're looking at tape you're making corrections I can do this better I'm just talking about the overall um, way you come to work every day the emotion uh, the energy level all those kind of things the spirituality part of it I think is 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 equally a, and that 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 would have been would have been tougher to accomplish with a two game losing streak against teams you know you can beat. And if you lose both of them, that ain't good. I mean, you're – I remember looking at that ceiling, man, and those those tiles in the ceiling get bigger and bigger, and it's like I can't go to sleep. 
um, those those nights are rough. But now, you know, you can feel like, all right, we're back on track. We have miles to go before we rest. But at least now we're trending in the right direction. Bring on the Steelers after the bye. Absolutely. Bring on the Blitzburg Steelers. And, uh, damn, what do you think? Is it going to be Monday night? Or do you think they'll fly? I think it's going to stay a Monday night potential. You do? Sunday night. Uh, excuse me, Sunday night football. I think it's going to stay there Sunday night football potentially. I don't know. We'll I hope- find out by Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, that's that'd be a very very good bye week present. <laughs> it would. I mean, I know people love the primetime exposure for the Bengals, and I get that. But from a very selfish perspective, these nighttime road games are tough on the uh, the old broadcast crew physically. No doubt. I mean, it gets me. It's not just a day recovery. This old man, it takes a little bit, a little bit longer. And man, I mean. It's always fun, the energy and all that sort of thing. But Pittsburgh, eh, it's a division rival. I mean, that stadium's going to be rocking. It'll be good to go there and, and get a W and get get the first division win. That's first and foremost. Get a division win on the road and uh, turn around that aspect of things uh, during the course of the season here. Starting out 0-3 in the division is not a, a happy place to be. So we shall see. And I'd love to do it at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I hear you, sir. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with offensive lineman Alex Kappa from Dublin, California, about a half an hour from San Francisco. That is one of my favorite cities in the world to visit. What were some of your favorite things about growing up in the Bay Area? Oh, that's a good question. Weather's pretty good. People are good. That's the main thing. Uh, Dublin's a great place to grow up. It's just a family town. I was out in the suburbs, so we didn't really make it into the city and stuff like that that often, but it's a great place to grow up. In addition to playing sports as a kid, it sounds like you were a drama kid. I, I was in school musicals and plays and things like that. Did you act in high school productions, and it was just something you really enjoyed? I did. I very much enjoyed it. My brothers kind of got me into it. My two older brothers were both uh, in the theater and improv. I was big into improv. It's um, where I met my wife, so can't argue with that. <laughs> so I've read that you didn't play offensive line until you were a senior in high school. How did that come about? I started playing it as a junior a little bit. Okay. Uh, my first two years, I was a tight end, and then we had a new coach come in, and we uh, transitioned like a spread offense. We literally weren't using a tight end at all. So I was like a backup slot receiver, and that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so one day I was just like, hey, should I just play tackle? And he was like, yeah, might as well. And then I kind of went back and forth in high school. So like, if we had decided one game we were going to use a tight end, I would go throw on a tight end jersey, and maybe in the middle of the game, I'll switch back and play tackle. Like, I was kind of going back and forth. You're a large man now, but were you something of a late bloomer in terms of your size? Uh, I was a little skinny in high school, I would say. I was like, like when I started playing tackle, I was like 220, maybe a little less. Um, I was a little skinny back in the day. (laughs) So your high school, or your hometown newspaper, I should say, said that you were a zero-star recruit. And you wound up at Division II Humboldt State in the northern part of California, just south of Oregon. It's not a football factory, but was it right for you? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, it's everything I could have hoped for. I had great teammates that uh, wanted to work hard. Like our old line room, we trained like we were all going to the NFL. Hmm. 
Um, my strength coach was amazing, one of the, the best strength coaches in the country. He set me up like, like I said, I was skinny when I got there. I was definitely needed to develop. And then we had a guy, Taylor Boggs, who was playing offensive line in the NFL. He was the only other guy from Humboldt in recent history to play in the NFL, and he uh, helped me out and got me going. How about diet? Were you one of these guys that like had to have the peanut butter and jelly sandwich at midnight to try to put on weight, stuff like that? The go-to after workouts early in college was chili dogs. So we would go, <laughs> like me and my roommate, he was a receiver. He was hoping to get to like 180, and I was hoping to get a little bigger than that. We would go four chili dogs with, like, a protein shake with ice cream, and we'd put carb powder in it and all that. Then we'd have, like, two dinners and then another shake before bed. So we were eating big time. You've come to the right city if you have an affinity for chili dogs. I may have grown out of the chili dogs. I think uh, I don't need to pack on weight like I did back then. We're chatting with Alex Kappa. You were quoted as saying, if you want to be successful in football, it has to be an obsession. Did that become the case for you? What I tell, uh, like, younger kids coming up and high school kids, college kids, is you have to know, like, what your goals are and your level of commitment have to be in line with those goals. So, like, if you're a Division two and you want to play in the NFL, then you probably should be pretty freaking committed. <laughs> um, and if you just want to have fun, then you just want to have fun. But I, I knew I wanted to play at a high level, so I really prioritized it. You had a great career at Humboldt State. Four-time lineman of the year in your conference. You earned an invitation to the Senior Bowl, and now you're up against the best players in the country. How important was that invite and having the opportunity to test yourself against the creme de la creme? Yeah, it was fun. Um, I think it kind of – I was pretty confident going in, but I think it kind of built my confidence as well, like seeing some guys from bigger schools and realizing I can compete with these guys too. And then it was just good for uh, coaches to see that I could as well. While you were there, the NFL Network's Mike Mayock famously said your tape was the nastiest he had ever seen. What was your reaction when you heard that? He hyped me up. He, he hyped me up. <laughs> that was a pretty fun week. There were, like, a couple things that, like, people really caught on to that week. And, you know, when you're coming out, like, the draft process, it feels so big to you. Like, it feels like it's the biggest thing and everybody's watching. And so uh, it was cool to get some shout-outs like that and get a lot of eyes on me. The draft worked out well. You were a third-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2018. Describe your draft experience. I was kind of like hoping. That was the second day, and I went like at the end of the third round, which is the end of the second day. So it was me, my dad, my now wife, and like one other friend hanging out. Um, and it was like getting to the end of the second day. I was like, come on, like <laughs> hoping we don't have to come back for that third day. And then that call from Tampa caught me off guard. I had like barely talked to them at all, so that caught me off guard, but – it was a lot of fun. We went out and got some pizza afterwards. So. <laughs> a good celebratory feast. Yeah. We're chatting with Alex Kappa. So you go to the Bucks in your third year. They signed Tom Brady. You guys win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, you didn't get a chance to play in the game because you broke your ankle in the wild card playoff round against Washington and tried to keep playing. Can you explain how that went? Well, I tried. It was two-minute drive at the end of the first half. And when you get hurt, you really don't want to burn a timeout in the two-minute drive. So, like, I knew it didn't feel good. I tried to pop up, but, like, I took too long to get up. So then they blew it dead, and Tom's yelling at me, like, what are we doing? Come on. <laughs> so I went to the locker room, and I didn't know it was broken. I just thought it was, like, sprained. So, you know, they tape you up and all that. Everyone comes to the locker room for halftime. I'm like, are you good? Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I guess. <laughs> And I went out to warm up, and I was definitely not good. I tried, but I unsuccessful.
Was the Super Bowl bittersweet at all since you had started every game and didn't give up a sack that year but couldn't play in the game itself? Yeah, I mean, you want to be out there for sure. Um, it was a unique experience because it was COVID too. So it was like mm. you were limited on how much you could even be in there if you weren't active and all that. So uh, it was weird, but obviously that was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, pretty cool experience for sure. You became a free agent this year. You were one of the first guys to sign, showing how eager the Bengals were to bring you into this organization. It's been reported that Tom Brady called and tried to get you to change your mind. Did that, in fact, happen? I'll keep those conversations to ourselves, but uh, I was very excited to come here for sure. So as a Super Bowl champion, you got the opportunity to go to the White House. What was that experience like for you? It was pretty cool. I was hoping we would get a little more time there. It's kind of like Rush. It's a, you know, they're busy over there, so it's kind of you fly in, you fly out. But uh, it was really cool, and I want to go back and see more. I haven't really been to D.C. much, but uh, it was cool. The whole experience was really cool. Um, I like that history, so I enjoyed it. All right, some wild card topics now with Alex Kappa. I've read that you can juggle. Is that the case, and how many items? I can't. It's been a while. I started to get, be able to juggle four pretty good. But right now, definitely just three. Uh, I do a few little tricks, but it's been a while, so I'll stick with three for now. Have you had any paying jobs aside from professional football player? Yeah, I play, I worked uh, for the Humboldt Crabs. It was like a college summer team up in Humboldt. Baseball? Baseball, yeah. And we were uh, security slash cleanup. So mm. we would, uh, if somebody would get too rowdy, we'd have to take them out. But for the most part, we were sweeping up sunflower seeds after the game. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. We had a bunch of football players that would do that job. Have you saved any Humboldt Crabs gear? Oh, I got some for sure. I got some. <laughs> My wife was wearing a sweater last night, Humboldt Crabs. How about that? When was the last time you had short hair? Because you've got the long flowing locks now. I think the sixth grade. Sixth grade? Yeah, I shaved it in sixth grade, and since then I've had it long. Did your parents ever, you know, give you any crap about it, or did they say, you know, hair is a battle we don't want to fight? No, they didn't mind. It was a, they tried to use it as, like, leverage. I like, guess as long as you got good grades, you'd have long hair. I'm like, all right, that'll work. All right, I've got a 16-year-old. That's good to remember because his <laughs> hair is getting very long. What do you like to splurge on? What do you like to spend your money on? Mm. Food. As in nice restaurants? Yeah, nice restaurants, I would say, is the main thing. Besides that, I don't know. Do you have an all-time favorite restaurant? No, the one that comes to mind is Val's Burgers it's in Hayward or maybe Castro Valley in California. Growing up, we would go there all the time. It's like a 50-style diner with like huge cheeseburgers. Delicious. This sounds like, like a diner's drives and dive-in or I whatever. I forget have... those words, but you know what I'm talking I about. I think they may have stopped there. It's got good shakes, good fries, good everything. All right, I'm going to have to scribble that one down for the next time I'm uh, in the Bay Area. Final fun fact for Alex Kappen. I appreciate your time. This is kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, statesman, religious figure, whoever it might be, who would that person be? I don't know. Probably like some old president or something. George Washington or something like that. One of those... uh Guys who was in the room back then, you know? One of the, the room where it ha happens. The room where it happened. Maybe one of those guys. That'd be interesting. Hard to go wrong with the father of our country. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> this has been fun. I appreciate your time. It's great to have you on the team. Best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber by Kettering Health the official health care provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, 
They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. And by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.